Welcome to the Innovation Conversation, a podcast about innovators, both in business and real life. Hosted by myself, Ricardo Pesqual, and Harry McDonough. Today's episode is sponsored by Hyperskill. Hyperskill is a learning and training platform that enables people from all over the world to learn new tech skills. If you're looking to learn new tech skills, this is a platform to choose. You can find out more about them on hyperskill.org. Today we're joined by Vasily Alexenko, founder of Fugen and the London startup scene. Vasily, thank you very much for, for joining us in the Innovation Conversation. Uh, me and Harry are super you know, excited to have you here. Um, would you be so kind and introduce yourself and the companies you represent and a little bit of your history and what have you been doing so far? Oh my God, there are quite a few questions <laughs> in one. Yeah. I can definitely talk forever. <laughs> okay, so uh, my name is Vasily and uh, I'm the founder of the company called Fugin. I normally have a t-shirt when I go to networking events, so normally I have this in all I create and just to avoid any misspelling and misunderstanding. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, we are B2B AI-powered marketplace for anything wellness-related. And mm -hmm. uh, the whole idea behind this marketplace is to enable employers to address the individual wellness needs of their employees. Okay. So that's pretty much what we, I mean, there is like much more to this in terms of like, you know, like AI and uh, technical part, how we help individuals and wellness professionals as well, but kind of like in the nutshell, that's uh, what uh, I am doing these days. Okay. And do you want to tell us a bit more about all the events you have? Uh, not sure if the mic is capturing this, but a bit more about some of the, I, I think you, you have this super event where you connect a bunch of investors and startups. So you want to tell us how that got started? Because it sounds- Should we go into uh, starting off about what is, what is, <laughs> this is like a, a big very jump. big jump on that side. Let's, let's start off with the basics. <laughs> Can, obviously no, no, just a little intro on, on okay, the event. Like, as an intro yeah. definitely and uh, so it's nice that you mentioned this event mm -hmm. it's uh, I don't know this day said a little bit kind of like you know like bitter sweet that people start associating me with my events <laughs> rather than with my business but good problem to have so anyway uh, I started uh, raising investments earlier this year yeah. and as I think like majority of founders I very quickly realized that I don't have an investor network and unfortunately, mm -hmm. without knowing investors, it's, I don't know, it's like very unlikely you will be able to get anywhere. Uh, statistically speaking, 1% uh, of founders who are raising investments actually succeed in getting the money. Yeah. And uh, this is like a very, very bad number. Mm -hmm. And obviously there are quite a few things that go into this stuff, but uh, one of the main ones is the fact that uh, investors don't have this network. And uh, I started going to quite a few networking events uh, where uh, founders would mix with investors and realized very quickly that uh, I don't know who the investors are in the room. Hmm. And uh, I decided to found, find a solution to this problem in my own way and I just decided to create my own event. I so it. I would know who <laughs> the investors are and yeah. I can talk to them even before the event starts and uh, the rest is the history. And it was an experiment which just simply exploded from, like, uh, the, from, from the day one. Nice. That's perfect. It's it's pretty much the the whole entrepreneur mindset, isn't it? You find the problem, you find the solution, and just go with it. And it's it's actually quite interesting because you started off to find, you know, investors for your own startup, which I want to hear everything about. And then you came up with a solution for a different for the problem you had raising investors. So it's it's, it's absolutely brilliant. So tell us a, a bit about Fogin, Harry. I know I know you have like tons of questions to ask. Um, Let's so go one by one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so. Do you want to go ahead and, and ask a couple of questions about Fugin? No, no, it's just, it's just essentially what is Fugin? Yeah. As you said before, when you had the... Uh, in is the it a rude word? As well, right? Is it a rude word? Where did it come from? Like, what yeah. is uh, the name behind it? What oh, is it? So in terms of the Fugin, and again, it's, uh, I did mention this to you just before that uh, I had this very interesting conversation with one potential investor about the name of my company. And uh, I didn't realize what was wrong with it, but now I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, like in English, many, I mean, some people would associate my word with a swearing word, and there are like you know, a couple of variations of this, but uh, taking this back to the original uh, name and where it came from, it's actually my partner came up with it. He's Portuguese, and uh, 
Oh, interesting. So am I. What is it supposed to mean? Is it supposed to mean? So uh, it comes from uh, Portuguese uh, foguinho, which means little fire. Okay. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, like he came up with this name because he thought, oh, it ah, needs okay. to be something like weird, like Uber or whatever, something <laughs> that doesn't mean much, but uh, potentially would be memorable. And uh, I think he came up with this, you know, like as, as a joke, but actually liked it. Okay. And uh, now he believes that he entitled to like 50% of my company just for the fact that he came up with the name, <laughs> which is like, you know, like, thank you very much. You know, that's you work. You should <laughs> give him 80. That's it. It's a good name. <laughs> or you should give you just everything. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, like, you know, like uh, going back to this conversation that I had with an investor, when I realized that you know, like uh, my company name sounds like fucking, and I was like, <laughs> that's not the best, but uh made me thinking that if i had marketing budget mm -hmm. this would be such a great marketing campaign just playing on wars i yep. don't know like this is fucking great mm -hmm. this is fucking <laughs> amazing like for example uh the same was done by uh french connection when yep. they came up with an acronym like obviously like people would look at this and I'm like it looks like fuck but they not everyone knows that you know mm -hmm. like it's that's the reason why uh, this became memorable just because of association. And yeah. uh, I'm actually quite, quite grateful to this investor now that he pointed this out to me. And mm -hmm. uh, now I just need to get the money. Yeah. <laughs> to make it even like, to make people even more aware. That's always the hardest thing, isn't it? But tell us, I think what's interesting just for the audience to know is, so first, what's the website? And when we go there, how does the experience work like? So where can I find it in, in fugen.com? I'm assuming that's the website. Mm -hmm. uh, where can I find there? Uh, find there? So uh, initially, we created this as an idea uh, to be a marketplace for anything wellness related. Mm -hmm. And one of the main reasons why I came up with this idea in the first place uh, is because I knew a lot of wellness professionals uh, mm -hmm. pretty well. I had another business idea that kind of like didn't really work out. And when COVID happened, I knew right away that uh, they would struggle to move online simply because majority of the people who are in this industry, let's say, you know, like yoga instructors, yeah. uh, they got into this industry simply because they're passionate about helping people mm -hmm. and that's pretty much what they do and previously uh when you know like the gyms were open and uh, everyone would go to studios and it was absolutely normal that was for them it was enough just to show up and yep. that's pretty much it and uh suddenly they would have to deal with uh i don't know like marketing they would have to create a bloody website they mm -hmm. would have to find a way how to stream their classes or record their classes and uh, in, the, in a day this uh, created a very very big headache for them and uh, initially idea was to create this marketplace with uh, infrastructure in place to make a lot of these things you know like easier so they mm -hmm. would be able to connect to their users and in theory it all sounded great in practice it was uh, a bit hard quite, isn't it uh, yeah. difficult because when we launched this I was expecting foolishly that uh, a lot of wellness professionals will, would bring their customers with them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, if we have like 100, uh, I don't know, like 50 of them would bring you know, like five to 10 users each, yeah. that's already creates you know, like some kind of like, you know, like ecosystem and some of these would go to another, like other yeah. structures. So a great referral and network, essentially. Exactly, and okay. this would help everyone. Uh, but I didn't understand that uh, instructors with customers would be very careful with actually bringing their customers to like mm -hmm. actually like, you know, like anywhere and we ended up with uh, instructors who actually came to the platform for this and all the customers and uh, yeah. we didn't have them and uh, uh, back then I had a full-time job and I spent pretty much all my money on uh, development and marketing and mm -hmm. when we had marketing budget we had the users yeah. but uh, once I left my full-time job and uh, had to cut down all the marketing expenses, like the traffic just dried out and you know, like pretty much like overnight. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, then uh, part of my plan was to go to investors because we had some traction, we had numbers mm -hmm. to prove and uh, all we just needed to get money and scale this up. Yeah. And it was, what is this, like, you know, like almost you know, like, uh, two years ago now just when the whole situation with uh, Russia and Ukraine happened. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started talking to investors and I realized that it was like, wow, investors not interested in B2C marketplaces simply because uh, many of them now 
experience, like having experience with likes of Airbnb, Eventbrite, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like Etsy, they know it takes millions to create any kind of noise. Yeah. Unless you started your business uh, initially from community, which we didn't. Our, our community was instructors, not the users. Mm -hmm. And uh, coincidentally, this was the time when I started talking to businesses. Yeah. And uh, talking to different companies, decision makers, uh, understanding how much competition is out there on the market in terms of you know, corporate wellness. Mm -hmm. I realized that we actually have a unique uh, commercial proposition for the companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when our business uh, strategy actually changed and so we started targeting B2B users rather than B2C. So you kind of just pivoted straight yeah, away, right? Yeah. So the platform you mentioned, uh, so your initial question was you know, like, if you go to the, uh, to the website, what are we going to see? Uh, if you go to the website right now, you will see the marketplace, how we created this for, uh, for B2C. B2C, And okay. like, it is working pretty much like the same. We have instructors who yeah. still list their classes. Uh, some of the classes get booked, but literally it's just like a you know, like handful of them simply because there is you know, like no marketing behind it. Okay. And the way uh, it, work, uh, it works in the way of Airbnb. Like my, I was always passionate about Airbnb because of the kind of like, you know, like ease of use. You go yep. to Airbnb, you have specific requirements normally. I don't know, like I'm going to this country, this date, I need to have these bedrooms, dog friendly, whatever. Air conditioning, know, with literally exact, air, conditioning air conditioning every single time. Yeah. Access, whatever this can be for you. Yeah. And then you see the results and then you go through these results, see whatever actually yeah. works for you. So that's pretty much uh, the same idea we implicate on the platform. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of contact, all of like uh, classes, webinars, yoga, meditation, nutrition, kickboxing. Now it's a little bit less. Than, well, hold on. Uh, There's kickboxing as well. Oh, it's like anything like any, anything. <laughs> idea was to have like anything wellness related, which is related to mental health, spiritual health and uh, physical health. OK. And uh, we have some instructors who teach uh, Thai massage. Oh, nice. And uh, idea is, again, you put the filters and uh, all the content is live. There is nothing, nothing pre-recorded. And then uh, you see reviews, ratings, content like details of this classes so or webinars and uh, you book and you join through the platform so that's why it's kind of like in this sense it works like this and mm -hmm. for the end user on the corporate side uh, the user flow would be exactly the same all with only one exception I do want to jump back slightly on there because uh, there's a really important aspect you pointed out which was you took the leap from your corporate job and done this full-time and for our listeners out there, it'd be really interesting to get the perspective from yourself. What's it like? What are the challenges? How have you kind of found it so far? Is it yeah. quite easy, quite hard, or is it very lonely world? Oh, I mean, it's everything. It's easy and hard and it's lonely world, <laughs> but it's also a very exciting world. I personally think uh, I probably rushed with this a little bit. At the same time, I think I should have done this ages ago. And the reason why I think I rushed with it, uh, with my previous company, I got to a very comfortable position where I did very little in terms of actually you know, expanding <laughs> time. But even though they might be listening, like, <laughs> you never know. know. Yeah. I go back and like sue me for this stuff. But uh, the only reason why I don't care about this because I actually uh, like I smashed my quarter, considering that I actually didn't spend much time on the work, but I was doing this work very efficiently. I cut out all the crap that I thought was not relevant to actually my job. My job was I was doing sales and I was uh, re managing the relationship with existing customers. My job was to increase the contract, you know, like at the renewal, increase the price. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much like I just con focused completely uh, on this. And uh, one of the main reasons why I decided to quit was the fact that uh, I was talking to investors very early stage and uh, I was under the impression that investors would only take you seriously once they know that you are committed to the yeah. business. And uh, I think this is like the myth. I don't think it actually exists like in reality. Uh, I think like, of course, I mean, you do, you know, like if you're an investor, you won't have someone committed, but at the same time, uh, if you have sounded business, if you have sounded individual, and uh, you understand people have to pay the bills, 
Yeah, and exactly. So obviously, you know, like if they have something to like at least you know, like to cover partially you know, like this bill, so obviously the chances are you're gonna leave your full-time job. Uh, it will take you years before you will start earning the same amount of money as your previous job. So exactly, yeah. you go there for something different rather than rather than money, at least not in the short term. And uh, I think this is what where I was a little bit kind of like misled by this information and yeah. I left. But at the same time, I'm glad that I did because I was able to concentrate fully on this and it was hard. So do you think your advice would be something like take the plunge or you'll be more more you know what have your you know your, your keep your job because that, that's that's pretty much a lot of people say this keep your job and at the same time grow your company and when your company takes too much time and then you cannot you don't have enough time to, to do your job anymore and it's paying the bills as well then you quit your job i think my case was definitely unique in the sense that mm -hmm. i was able to work actually one hour a day sometimes less simply okay. because i was doing this job. <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> i'm not sure if your previous employer is listening to this but, but uh, again i mean they can't complain you know like i did my job when i did my job amazingly yeah. i gave them four months notice i handled every single customer and uh some customers canceled subscription after i left because they were there because of the relationship because of you, that, yeah. like i managed to build with them so that's why there is like you know like i was like i did i went above and beyond to actually give back to the company because mm -hmm. I felt responsible for the fact that I was getting full, you know, like, you know, like salary and, you know, like wasn't delivering. It's just like, I just didn't attend some internal meetings that were completely relevant for me. That's pretty much how I managed to get this done. Yeah. But again, just to go back to your question that, uh, I don't think I would advise someone to just to do kind it. of yeah. like, you know, like do this simply because in most of the cases, I mean, you do have to work, you know, like normal hours often you know like in the office yeah. it's super difficult to hide in the corner and do your own <laughs> stuff and yeah. i know some people i don't know like who try it's it's also, also like it's super stressful and that's why if you have a business and if you believe in this uh you just need to just you know like jump the ship and just you know like and give it a go one of my former colleagues uh he tried this for half a year and then he came back to work Mm -hmm. And it unfortunately didn't work out for him, but he discovered that he actually wanted to learn how to code and like in a year he become a, became a developer. So he did get was, something out of exactly, it, right? You know, so like it's he, not a, yeah. he got, and I think the fact that he also tried this, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know that you tried regardless whether it worked or it doesn't work. It's, yeah. you know, like whatever, because reality is if this doesn't work out for me, I always have an option to go back to my job or like similar job and mm -hmm. you know, I can get it. And the chances are you know, like I will get it because again, like I'll have my experience. Yeah. It, it's kind of like that song from the Rolling Stones. This is you can't always get what you want. You get what you need type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you, sometimes you might not get what you want, but you get what you need and that's, you know, you continue and exactly. it's not the end of the world. So um, you must have some interesting stories in regards to investor relations and building this pipeline. As, as you said, you've, you've got the, uh, the other company outside of Fugin, which we'll go into in a little bit more detail. But you must have some really interesting stories in regards to how they've kind of treated you, pushed you around, kind of helped you out in some regards. But are there, is there anything that really stands out from your, your time over the last two I years? Mean, in terms of like interesting, there is definitely like a lot of interesting kind of both kind of like, you know, like uh, good, bad and ugly. <laughs> and it's a lot of, again, I'm not gonna pretend it's like it's so bad. Like it's like it's not bad, mm. but unfortunately, uh, in the investment community, there are some you know like single individuals who potentially do disservice to the entire investment community simply by how they treat founders, mm -hmm. how they you know like I think like you know, like most you know like founders and uh, what they request from them, how they talk to them and it's uh sometimes you know like a little bit disrespectful and uh so what are the warning signs so giving to the, to the yeah, red flags there. what are the so red flags just, yeah <laughs> i think also this is a little bit different simply because uh a lot of conversations do happen online and uh -huh. it's sometimes just you know like difficult to uh treat someone online because you don't know if they rush this conversation with you because they need to go somewhere. They might be you know, like not feeling well. And uh, if you booked with them, you know, like 15, 20 minutes call, it's very often kind of like ends in 15, 20 minutes. So it's a bit difficult. In person, that it's easier because you have time to make up your mind about the person before you even talk to them. 
you see how they treat uh, people like uh, I just came back from an investor meeting and uh, how the person talks to the waiter in the restaurant. I think yeah, you know what makes a big difference. This yeah. kind of like, like normal people will talk to people normally because like any job is, you know, like should be respected because I mean, like it's a job and you should be bloody grateful that someone actually like, you know, like does this for you. And, uh, but sometimes you can see this kind of like, you know, like a little bit of you know, lack of disrespect when uh, for some reason people think that you know, like they might be a little bit better than you know, like someone else. And again, yeah. it's like, I'm not, not judging, judging, but uh, I mean, like everyone is different, but uh, obviously like this is a red flag because you know right away that uh, potentially, you know, like you are treated pretty much like a meat, especially when it comes to, you know, like VC environment and mm -hmm. you know, like angel investors. and. It's completely fine, and I completely understand the fact that uh, investors look at founders. In many cases, like uh, it's just an kind of like an you know, like investment vehicle. And again, it's fine. It's a business type of thing, isn't it? It's a business analysis they do, exactly. and therefore they can treat you, you know, a little bit worse than they would treat a normal person. But at the same time, but it's not really fair. It's also it? kind of like you know, like you invest in the person, and. Uh, this person it's pretty much the key driver you know like for mm -hmm. this business so that's why uh it shouldn't really happen but sometimes you know, like it does happen and uh, i've heard this from a lot of founders that uh, you should be very careful in terms of who do you pick as an investor yeah. uh, simply because this can create a lot of issues with you moving forward and you kind of think okay we're just taking money it's kind <laughs> of like and it's like what kind of issues this would create but it does and uh if you're dealing with a lead investor and uh, they want to take, uh, they want to take, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like the chair on the board, mm -hmm. and all, like, you know, like they would become, you know, like one of your directors. This means that uh, they have a right to vote on some of your decisions that are related yeah. to business. And I've heard quite a few bad stories from founders who had to quit their businesses simply because they couldn't, yeah. for some reason get along with an investor and investors start blocking their decision process. Well, Steve Jobs, for example. I mean, that, that's, I think that's a story. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Steve Jobs got kicked out of Apple, the company he forms. And that was exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. His board voted him out as CEO. They didn't want him there anymore. They said, you need to take the company in a different direction. You're not doing that. And, and they did. And it just tanked completely. It was horrible until they brought it back in. Uh, so th that's a good example of exactly what you're saying. Well, Investors. After he, uh, he went to Pixar and made yeah. seven billion Thank off God the for Toy Pixar, Story right? and then came <laughs> right? back from a success story, wasn't it? I think if he didn't do that, he, were, yeah. he would never have the option of coming back into it because he has that seven billion plus. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, was, he was good at it. Yeah. But the reality is, again, if you are a startup with like founder with you know, like exit history yeah. and uh, let's say maybe you're a public figure or, you know, like maybe <laughs> that makes like a big difference yeah. on LinkedIn, whatever whatever uh, it makes it like easier and then you can get picky uh, if you go into this the first time mm -hmm. I mean you kind of happy with like every single piece of bread that like everyone and like, people <laughs> are throwing at you and uh, it's difficult because you know like your heart says one thing the heart says another thing but yeah. again that's just a challenge for you know like as a founder you what was the saying about like uh you make the bet that you sleep in or something like that yeah. so that's pretty much so kind of like you're responsible for your own choices so how do you deal with that because it's it's a lot of it's a lot of emotions going in right Fugin's all about you know helping people in their wellness journey so how do you deal with that personally as you know as a founder because i'm sure you get a lot of setbacks i'm sure you get a lot of you know uh, messages that you're not expecting and just make you angry so how do you process all that and how do you get to the next step which is okay let me talk again with someone else and see if i can invest again so how do you deal with all this i mean like it is difficult i mean again like all the founders who went through this they will tell you that's like it's super hard mm -hmm. you will hear million of no's until you get to your first uh, yeah. yes and uh, everyone deals with this uh, differently and you do need to develop thick skin unfortunately mm -hmm. like i don't think people are necessarily born with thick skin it's yeah. something that you know, like comes you know like with practice and uh, initially uh knows that i used to get i would be like uh, <laughs> uh, and it's like it's not nice like it is yeah. not nice and it's like it makes you question if you are like thinking right if it's you know like if it's the right business it's the right direction and mm -hmm. uh then you know like you bring it back to yourself okay i need to listen to myself so just to kind of like sorry 
to give you a couple of examples. Uh, when I started raising investment, I think one month before, I started listening to uh, hypnosis. Hypnosis, okay. Yeah, literally, you know, like every single night is like one of my, like my former therapists, I don't work with you anymore. She kind of like recommended this uh, specialist on YouTube and mm -hmm. it's like, it was a channel and there were like a few, like, you know, like hypnosis sessions and it was, this one specifically was about more kind of like, I don't know, like, you know, like mentality of the winner of the conqueror and you go to sleep every single night and you play this. And so getting confidence, really. I mean, all it does, it brainwashes you. <laughs> because it is what it is, kind yeah. of like, you know, like it repeats, you know, like it's the same, you know, like people doing like affirmations. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no magic behind affirmations, but the more you talk this, you know, like to yourself, the more you kind of like, you know, like uh, change this, like, you know, like, uh, like neuron path, yeah. you know, like in your brain. And you kind of like, you rewriting this connection mm -hmm. and you end up believing in something that you just you know, like used to tell to yourself. Yeah. That's you know, like one of the things you know, like that I did. I know like then once a week I uh, do meditation with uh, my friends online. Mm -hmm. I initially started this as I thought. Founders would benefit from doing a meditation, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, just like, uh, and this meditation is again, uh, what my, uh, former therapist taught me it's more breathing exercise yep. and, uh, it just like, it does help you to feel like, you know, like a little bit like less stressed. Mm -hmm. And if you do some regular basis, uh, I had panic attacks before and mm -hmm. anxiety and, uh, it did help me just this specific exercise. Yep. And, uh, I initially thought I would do this with other founders. My, there is only one person who was interested in my friend really? and <laughs> we have been doing this for the last you know, like you know, like uh, four months, like literally like every single week on mm -hmm. Wednesday, we do this. And now uh, I didn't get this exposure with founders. I got it just on like one person, but it helps him and it helps me just to like to yeah. get this to whatever. Another thing that's uh, helped me quite a bit, and I think this is uh, goes back to your question in the beginning in terms of uh, this journey being lonely. It's super lonely, especially if you are leaving the corporate environment and going into this kind of like entrepreneurship very quickly you realize that uh, there is there are not many people who you can actually talk to about it mm -hmm. because your previous life in the corporate environment it's it that is it just becomes completely relevant you don't care yeah. about politics at work people getting not getting bonuses <laughs> i don't know like how the manager treating you yeah. uh and there is like it's not like bad or like mm -hmm. good it's just different like for you what's important now it's the marketing strategy i don't know like you are testing this marketing channel and you manage to get conversion of i don't know like one lead costs you one pound i mean like talk to people at work who cares and they don't <laughs> yeah. and you, but you also don't care what's happening you know like with them and you get to the point slowly that you start filtering what you talk about with mm -hmm. your friends i feel bad for my partner like he has to listen to all my stories about startups. <laughs> and it's literally, I think we got to the point where with a lot of arguments, <laughs> mm -hmm. he learned to, I know he's pretending, I mean, he listens a little bit, but. Uh, <laughs> he knows how to tune you out in that regard. Exactly. Make sure you're and happy. He's like there and just kind of the listens. Supporting. Just, yeah. And all I need is to kind of like to vent, mm -hmm. to talk yeah. about it. And uh, the only way I managed to solve this problem is to going into this networking event, meeting with, uh, meeting with other founders. And that's, you suddenly realize, oh my God, these people speak my language and we can talk about like, you know, like the same problems because again, it's relevant. It's relevant. For them. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's what's helped me. So can you tell the, our audience, hello audience, uh, about your networking events? Because we're recording this on YouTube, on TikTok mm -hmm. as well. Uh, so tell us all about the networking events because it's quite an interesting story. They came about, as you said, uh, as, an, as, a, as a way to fill a need he had, which is mm -hmm. how to connect with people, right? And I think they just exposed, like, I can't even get a ticket now. They just massively exploded. Don't oversell it. It's like you can get a ticket now. No, but it's, it's, it's quite big now. So tell us, tell us about that. So uh, this was, I know, like, again, it was a pretty interesting story, and it was also an experiment. Like, mm -hmm. in, I didn't expect anything. Uh, one of the main reasons why uh, I created this, and I mentioned this in the beginning, that I wanted to know who the investors are. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but the main, so the catalyst to this was uh, one of my very bad experiences with uh, like networking events. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I went to one networking event where the organizer didn't even show up. Oh, that's interesting. It was like about. How do you know you were in the event? You just saw a lot of people. Uh, that's the whole people. That's the whole <laughs> and just assume, okay, this people must be the networking there, event. It was a uh, big pub. I think part of the pub was reserved for the event. Okay. Everyone was trying to queue to the stairs because like everyone was there. And we were all <laughs> waiting because we thought someone was just you know, like checking tickets on the other side. Knowing mm -hmm. uh, about 15-10 ten minutes, we realized that you know, it was just like someone just stopped there. And that's why this queue formed. And the uh, organizer wasn't <laughs> there. And people were walking around uh, for like a couple of hours just complaining. And wow. I was just standing there. I was like, bloody hell. So if someone without any effort can bring so many people together, I can do it better. Yeah. I literally went to the same venue the next day and I was like, uh, I want to run an event in your place. And the obviously like was bluffing and <laughs> like, like I do this for a living. And uh -huh. uh, I guess I was confident, or maybe this woman was just busy to pay attention to, like, you know, like me literally lying into her face. She was like, <laughs> How many people? I was like, 200. It's like, When? I was like, In a month from now. And literally, like, nice. five minutes I had, uh, I had a date. I left the place and I was like, What the hell just happened? And then uh, the same day, uh, I made a post on one Slack channel for founders and uh, just asked people just about this idea yeah. like, you know, like I'm planning to run this event and again I've never done this before and uh, uh, literally the same day I got a private message from uh, this like founder of one uh, section like the thing it's totally private it's a company called uh, seat eagles oh wow they're kind of like you know, like the big deal in the startup environment. It's quite and, big company. Uh, yeah. Anthony literally like he sent me a message. She was like, I love the idea and I would support you in whatever you're trying to do, whether we're talking about like, you know, like adding you to our newsletter or sponsorships or like beer money or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, this gave me just you know, like so much boost in my confidence. Yeah. And uh, I think like, you know, like Anthony is like, you know, like one, or, I mean, I already had a date, but uh, like this a little bit support from him mm -hmm. uh, it was like it meant a lot for me and then I created the event and I didn't take any sponsorship from him I was like you know what I don't know how this works I don't want to over promise let me do it first and then yeah. we'll see because I like the last thing I want to do is to take your money and just like literally just like flush it in yeah. the drain so that's why I didn't I didn't do this but then uh, the first event I had uh, 500 people registered Oof. And oh, wow. uh, that's, I think that's one uh, how I came, right? That's one. I came, came down and volunteered. We are here to support yeah. the local communities. <laughs> so, and that's what also was super surprising and super nice. And uh, like, I don't know, just like, you know, like feeling, like knowing that people came to help me. I was like, I still kind of like thinking about like a lot. That's pretty good, yeah. Because it's happened out of nowhere. Just a few days before the event, once I started seeing the numbers, mm -hmm. uh, I realized it's like, you know, like, bloody hell, I won't be able to do it by myself. And uh, I, m I put a post on LinkedIn and I was like, I'm looking for volunteers. Mm -hmm. And I had few people like, you know, like her and I, we knew each other uh, yeah. from before. But then some people, uh, Cynthia, she was like really, really amazing. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's a little plug for you. <laughs> and uh, uh, I like, she tried to speak to me on LinkedIn yeah. and this didn't really go anywhere. And then she replied uh, that like she was happy to help. And she came, she turned out to be one of the most amazing people I actually met in my life. Oh, nice. And, uh, and again, they were there, you know, like helping me doing all this stuff. We obviously like, we didn't expect this would be so crazy and so busy with, I, I told them one hour and then you guys can do whatever you want. We have been on the doors chatting with people f until like, you know, like 9 PM. Oh, well. We didn't even have chance to go upstairs to see what was going on. Uh -huh. We just kept, kept hearing from people coming back. Oh. There were like two comments. Uh, either it was too hot, which was uh, <laughs> because there were like a lot of people, and another one, oh my god, you know, like great connections, or like so many, you know, like good conversations, nice. and you should be charging for this stuff. It's so good. And because it was the first time, obviously, I thought maybe it was a fluke. So mm -hmm. the second time, 550 people. I was like, okay. Third time, I thought maybe, again, maybe it's just I was lucky. Yeah. And then it was like 600 people. And for the third event, uh, that's when it got, again, a little bit more interesting because I was approached by uh, the manager of the restaurant by Piccadilly Circus, mm -hmm. uh, they called uh, Park Roll. 
and it's a very cool restaurant which is uh, themed after DC Universe. Oh, okay. So I don't know, like Batman, whatever. You go inside and there is this like nice. very cool stairs, uh, like sparse so going down and the entrance it's literally it's like little room bookshelves you open this like bookshelf and you go down and it's like it's cool and he reached out to me he was like you know like i saw what you do on linkedin i want you to come to my venue and you know what run your events in there and i looked at the pictures and i was like it looks very fancy and I was like, <laughs> after the pub i was like and I, and I told him i was like i'm not charging people for anything and uh, like i have no mm. money to pay and he was like just come and we'll uh, i'm sure the pub lady got quite upset though because you said 200 and all of a sudden you get 500 people drinking <laughs> right and you have it on consecutive days as well so it's, it's not consecutive days but you have it uh, you have quite a few events there so it's, it's yeah, quite like good month, yeah. are yeah. you hinting for volunteering opportunities I, I think there's a good opportunity to come down there for the DC universe have Ricardo and Batman the venue was literally it's like everyone yeah. who came to my events before like people were like, oh my God, this is such an upgrade mm -hmm. and I, then and then I hear stories from people that they had their like uh, anniversary dinners in there and they yeah. couldn't book the place and then I managed to get there without actually paying for it and mm -hmm. uh, obviously like you know like they make uh, they make the revenue on drinks, on drinks but yeah. also again because I know that they're helping me quite a bit and they definitely don't make as much money they expect to make on this yeah so I try to compensate for for this by you know like promoting them on my like like LinkedIn when I do my mm -hmm. post because it is a very very cool cool venue so that's why I don't know whether I was lucky with the stuff whether it's because you know like the way I run these events because again I do this differently like I go to quite a few networking events and uh, not gonna say <laughs> things about what people do because again yeah. there is a place for everything it's just kind of like a lot of these events not my cup of tea and mm -hmm. a lot of this like like very structured and there's again there is nothing bad about it it's just uh i saw it to be differently mm -hmm. and uh, if you come to the event it is networking it is networking there is like a bunch of people like walking around too many people for for, for you know, like for my mm -hmm. taste but i'm there the organizer not you know like not the person walking yeah. around but the main thing that i uh create i mean created uh, my idea was to give an opportunity to founders to pitch mm -hmm. and practice because uh, as founders we all need to I don't know like to be comfortable with uh, talking about our business you know like to investors and uh, pitching like practicing with your friends is not the same as uh, it's actually talking like to people actually yeah. real people and there are quite a few events in London where you can go and do this mm -hmm. unfortunately you have to pay and I was like stupid enough to pay once 250 pounds just for oh, practice wow. Uh, I mean, to, to, hold on. You pay two hundred fifty pounds for to pitch to f strangers, or just I mean, like to like networking event. I was oh okay I mean, to networking event. Obviously, okay. like you know, like it's marketed as there are investors. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, there are no investors. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, because I mean, obviously, like I can't I can't prove this, but everyone I talk to, literally, like not a single person actually talked to someone who, who was an investor. Mm. They have some investors on the panel, but uh, the investors who normally go to these events and they're kind of like on the panel they're normally one of the biggest names that's very easily to approach you don't need to go to an event yeah. so that's why you end up paying literally for practice and i thought for someone as uh broke as i am it's kind of like at mm -hmm. like such an early stage it is just it's super unfair and it's expensive so yeah. i wanted to change it up a little bit and that's why i came up with this concept where every 20 minutes uh, I will pick randomly, so I want to make it fair for everyone, all the mm -hmm. founders who come there. Uh, I will pick randomly four to five founders and I would give them a microphone for one minute, so it's kind of like open mic concept. Okay. And they have one minute to uh, pitch this Elevator to the pitch audience. for... Exactly. Yeah. And uh, a good idea. Uh, I do have investors in the room. I would say there are like much less than, than founders. But that's always uh, the case, isn't it? Yeah, that's Exactly. So uh, there is actually one founder I was talking to the other day he managed to get an investor you know, from from, 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 my, event. from my event nice. so and I was like okay okay I was like you know like next time when you come and if you <laughs> get a microphone please make sure you actually say this yeah because there obviously like quite a few people are skeptical and it's like you know like I'm more skeptical as well and, in going to this and did he did he have the microphone was was he one of the selected no 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 he was actually so just, he's just like, talking he just and randomly found the investor but, uh, this investor uh, he was the first investor who actually was brave enough to pick up microphone 
and yeah. uh, pitch himself as an investor to the audience of, of founders. Yeah, and this sense, is yeah. like this is a concept that is not very much common simply because uh, very often investors obviously like they don't want to get bombarded with like the messages from everyone, yeah. them, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, uh, I believe that uh, this creates a lot of clarity for founders and mm -hmm. the chances are if you get someone approaching you, you more, they're more likely to be like relevant to who you normally invest. But I think you touch a very interesting point and most people when, when they're first starting out, they actually don't know this. But not all investors are good investors and not all conversations you're going to have are actually relevant to you. Because if someone has been investing in, let's say, tech, they're not very likely to invest in food, mm -hmm. right? Because they know the food environment or they, they know the tech environment and they know what to expect. They know what, what, what measurements they, they should be on the lookout for. Whereas if they, you know, if they get approached by someone who wants to open a pasta place, for example, they have no idea mm -hmm. what, I'm what metrics am I looking at because they'll be looking at the wrong things. So it is very relevant to, to have that knowledge of saying, you know what, let's see if I can find an investor who has invested in companies that kind of look like mine mm -hmm. or they are in the same space. And then that's, they'll be like, you need to select the investors you want to talk to. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it needs to be relevant because otherwise you just, I mean, there is a slight chance that you might be able to convince someone with something bloody amazing, but the chances yeah. are it's very difficult. But they're not going to be there for the journey, are they? Uh, no, 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 exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, they just, I mean, it might be interesting for them, but because they don't understand the industry well, they're just not going to take the risk. So that's pretty much it. But it's always that thing where it comes down to sharing the same vision yep. and to talking about where do you want investors to uh, get on board and where do you want them to exit and what type of investors they are. Because there's different type of, of investment, mm -hmm. isn't it? You know, people who just invest, on, invest on, on seed stage, then people who invest on series A, series B, so forth, so on. And they all have different perspectives on how to make money. Are they going to be along for the journey from seed to IPO? Or actually, are they just going to sell their percentage of the company when they get to Series B, for example. So you need to find out what type of investment journey are they concerned about, right? So that's that's key. No, exactly. I think a lot of founders, uh, again, obviously this comes with like a lack of experience. If yeah. you're doing this the first time, there is no way you would be able to like navigate, you know, like all of this. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to learn on the way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of investors do prefer second time found and I kind of like, I, I, I get it <laughs> yeah. right? because you already you've done all of your mistakes mm -hmm. I mean like majority of them you probably will make more mistakes but uh, the chances are you would do things better this time yeah okay, I, I, so yeah. Go ahead. in regards to your events how they actually benefited you that's probably one of the big questions that everybody will be listening to is doing all this is fantastic having 600 people in the room investors founders has this benefited you in any way? Has it kind of got you to where you want to be, or is it Ooh. more just personal aspirations? And I mean, it def I mean, the answer is definitely yes. Most mm -hmm. of my investor meetings, uh, they did come either from my events or from the people who came to my events. And uh, what I also started doing, which I kind of like a little bit overcomplicated things now, I regret <laughs> it, but it's so bloody good. So uh, once I got the information about investors. Mm -hmm. Who, who register for the events, I realized that obviously like most of them not relevant or like I'm not relevant for them. Yeah. And at the same time, I knew that all like, like so many founders and many of them bloody amazing because I spoke to them yeah. that you know like they might be relevant for. So what I started doing a couple of events back, I started collecting the data from the founders when they register uh, about uh, their like, I don't know, like industry, one line about their business, link to pitch dev, mm -hmm. whether like pre-revenue, post-revenue, and uh, putting this eventually into the spreadsheet. Yeah. And uh, after the event, I share the spreadsheet with investors who register for the event. Mm -hmm. And uh, it opens up conversations with yourself, making it a bit easier. And it's really clever though, because then you start creating your own pipeline and warm emails, exactly. what investors are looking yeah. for. Yeah. Hey, I, I have 150 emails here, want to have a chat instead of them going exactly. out and potentially yeah. charging for that service or getting... And people do obviously, do, they do charge for the services. It's mm -hmm. just, again, it's just not the reason why I decided to do this. Obviously, yeah. my selfish reason is only one is to build a relationship. Yeah. I want for investors, even though they might not be relevant for me, to know me because, mm -hmm. I mean, like, people know people the same, you know, like, for founders. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, in the founder community, uh, it's again, it's very common for you to introduce someone to your investors because mm -hmm. you help an investor. That's why, you know, like everyone is help, helping everyone, and uh, it does work. I uh, so one of the 
investors told me that uh, this spreadsheet was one of the most organized spreadsheets she's ever seen in her life. Okay, all right. Which, again, I, I, like, it's a compliment, but then I was like, okay, probably put too much effort into this. <laughs> Uh, and then another investor told me there was like, you know, I have to admit that uh, I spent last week, uh, like all my meetings were booked on the basis of the spreadsheet that you sent. That so is very I know good. like, yeah. you know, like obviously like, I don't know where this potential will go, but also being a founder on the other side, I know that every little helps when yeah. it's like, you know, like uh, Tesco slogan. I think it's Tesco, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of like it is. And, and uh, again, it's like every single exposure uh, might help. You don't know who's there. You don't know who's listening. You don't know who's looking into the stuff. Yeah. And uh, I hope I have enough patience and capacity to keep doing this again, yeah. considering that I'm not asking for like any fees or like. Yeah, and they get a very cool venue as well, right? So they yes. can it's a fantastic <laughs> dress journey. up as Batman or yeah. or Superman and just go. I'm joking, but so, uh, so where do you want to uh, see yourself? in a few years time that would be the, the ultimate question you know, you've raised this event you've created a great company you've got some traction on this side where would you see yourself in two three years would you see yourself having this budget for marketing ready to go out to, and having hundreds of corporate clients or do you still see yourself on this entrepreneurial journey slowly getting better and better or, or really just changing your whole business structure no it's, it's talk, talking about hundreds of corporate clients that's obviously part of the, <laughs> you know part of the business plan and financial model as well so that's uh that's definitely uh is the case uh i mean but first of all i'm like i'm enjoying what i'm doing like literally like i am i'm enjoying i think uh this is the best thing i've done in my life and it started with you know, like making a decision about like you know, like quitting my job mm -hmm. regardless of how challenging and stressful it was and i'm still i'm not i'm not even in the beginning of my journey i'm just like mm -hmm. looking at the plan of my journey and uh but you're on two journeys at the moment exactly yeah. yeah so it but it has been like one of the most rewarding experiences and i don't think you know, like i would like i wouldn't change this for anything the only part that is missing is uh, the money part, but yeah. uh, again, I like you know, like that will come with time. Know, hopefully, it will, and hopefully, I'm not going. My husband is going to divorce me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? At the same time, uh, when you're out of options, uh, you start thinking differently and potentially faster. So who knows? Section might be for good, but let's. But not, you can always you can always monetize the, the event if need be, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But, you know, like, and that's yeah. what you know, like people keep telling me, and just again. It wasn't the reason why I did this, and I want to try to keep this you know, like free for yeah. everyone. But uh, in terms of you know, like where do I want to be in like you know, like in a, in a few years, uh, when it comes to the whole corporate wellness, uh, I am quite passionate about the entire kind of like you know, like wellness topic. I uh, went myself through, I don't know, like burnouts, uh, had anxiety issues. I had uh, issues with like food. I'm still trying to shed off and all like, but, like oh, COVID weight. We all are. <laughs> we all are. And uh, I think if I knew what I know about myself now, you know, like a long time ago, I probably have become a doctor just mm -hmm. because I was always fascinated about like anything health related. Yeah. And, and I did helping a bunch people of experiments. Well. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like I think exactly. And uh, like I experimented with like many things obviously like you you guys potentially know about tim ferris and i'm sure like a lot of yeah we do yeah as well. for our work week so, and like, many other books yeah the shit that he did in terms of his experiments i did the first step of this as well before i even came across him okay. and obviously like you know like he's a big name and he mm -hmm. is like you know like whatever he does people look at it's like yeah and when when i when i tell that i had medical leeches in my fridge leaving Oh. like six months couple of years ago and uh this is kind of like how deep it goes in terms of my experiments and he was like, oh. could this be another business venue for you uh selling uh medical leeches no medical <laughs> to founders i to be honest i didn't even know there was such a thing i mean i've heard that people use leeches we're completely going you know, off the charts here but i know that people use leeches to to take bad blood out right uh but i never heard there were medical versions of it. this is like quite no, interesting no, no, there is i mean there is like uh medical like obviously like in the was like in Asia yeah. it has been all like part of uh, their culture it's this kind of the same kind of like in, like in Russia mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in the what is like in, in the Western medicine uh, medical leeches are used 
widely in the kind of like facial reconstruction surgeries, like any kind of reconstruction surgeries, because mm -hmm. they do improve the blood flow in the area where you put it on. Okay. And that's kind of like, that's pretty much the reason why it's not necessarily the blood that they take in is the, like, it's, Minimal, it's, yeah. it's, it's irrelevant. It's uh, the blood flow that comes to the area that you put it on. So that's why you, if you have, let's say, issues with your, uh, well, what do you have? liver yeah. and uh, you apply this you know like on this part it improves the blood flow in the part and with the blood flow it improves i don't know like uh okay. regeneration of the cells so i was and overall uh the saliva of uh of the leech they have this like element that uh triggers your immune system and it's kind of, so they're like they're like a bunch of, so that's why you know like i was experimenting there is only one downside to uh medical leeches is mm -hmm. uh the scars they leave yeah. because it takes couple of years for this car to actually disappear oh, wow, okay. and that's like i think especially like, you know, like if you're a woman probably not so not don't put it on your face type of thing exactly <laughs> okay all right to naughty investors if they don't invest in you so again, <laughs> uh, going back to uh the whole kind of like you know like wellness so i was always passionate about mm -hmm. wellness but one of the reasons why uh corporate wellness uh when i used to work for an investment bank I witnessed myself kind of like, you know, like the worst case scenario, what uh, the burnout actually looks like. Yeah. One of my former colleagues, uh, he was working 24-7 for about like three years nonstop. I was analyst back then and I was with the company for mm -hmm. much less. And uh, eventually he went to see his family and he collapsed when he was getting on the plane and uh, hadn't seen him after. And yeah. uh, he was uh, taken to the hospital once the plane la la landed. So the official doctors uh, concluded that it was a severe case of burnout. His yeah. entire system started shutting down. Oh, he wow. had issues with his breathing, with sleeping, anxiety, like heart uh, heart mm -hmm. rate, like literally a bunch. It took him, like he never went to work back for the investment bank, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but it took him, I'd like three to four years to get to kind of normal. normality. Yeah. And uh, obviously, this is was horrible for him in terms of his health but it also was quite bad for the company and i'm not talking about the whatever the payout that he you know like got out of them because mm -hmm. obviously you know, like he like literally you know, like ruined his health because of work mm -hmm. but it's also uh he was actually amazing at what he did yeah and obviously like uh four companies uh deloitte published this research it costs about 1200 pounds on average to uh replace just it, this is just to replace the employer mm -hmm. and uh when it comes to the corporate environment uh, the whole issue with uh burnout and mental mm -hmm. health i mean it's such big it's it's a big topic it's like seven out of ten employees experience signs of burnout two out of ten employees mm -hmm. will leave the job due to reasons related to poor mental health yeah. and uh, the poor management of mental health in the uk itself costs uk employers up to 56 billion pounds per year this is like two percent of uk gdp so it's, it's high, like that's why kind yeah. of like you know like it is it's it's a big topic so that's why uh and again like you know like i've seen this and uh, mm -hmm. i also experienced this myself and uh the way uh we solve this problem i think we have a good chance to actually make make a difference so where i see myself in the next uh you know like you know like three to five years mm -hmm. i want for fooling to be uh the biggest brand when it comes to the corporate wellness and kind of yeah. like you know, like well-known brand i'm sure there will be you no know, like other services but i want it to be kind of like i want us to set the trend in terms of what uh employee health should actually mean for companies without actually like you know like breaking them in terms of paying for the services yeah and uh hopefully if we do everything right we will be able to help companies to save money yeah. and employees to be healthy and happier and eventually it will just like, you know, like help everyone so, so you want to be fugan everywhere basically yeah i mean ideally yes but uh, <laughs> let's be a little bit realistic we're starting from the uk from europe although there is a big trend in asia but i think it's completely the mental health now is, is such a thing isn't it and it's a good thing uh, our last guest was talking about mental health as well and i think it's the thing that companies need to be aware which is if they want their employees to be productive if they want their employees to be productive on the long term they need to make sure that they feel good doing their job i mean it's not going to be you know all all everything is going to be perfect but at the same time you kind of need to make sure that there is a baseline and the baseline is where they are productive their 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 mental health is good and your your company literally does that right so it enables other companies to go on the website to pick 
uh, programs for their employees or their employees can pick them themselves and it kind of just helped them not to burn out how to feel more wholesome and, and all that right and uh, so Deloitte in, like in their report last year uh, they did a research uh, that uh, and claim they claim that every single pound mm-hmm. invested in corporate wellness uh, brings back to the business five pounds so wow. it is actually like it, like it is proven that like it does work mm-hmm. and uh, what you said it's right and I think uh, like many companies trying to do it right but uh, it's also difficult I mean and I kind of like like I do completely know like like it's like I understand it's difficult yeah. just because when you if you put a solution in place it changes things but uh, you also need to change the culture in the company if your employees are working 24 7 and expected to answer the phone on the weekends and you know like reply emails and messages like after midnight mm-hmm. regardless of the, like doesn't matter what kind of solutions you will be able to provide them they're not going to use it and if they yeah. don't use it they obviously there is no return on investment for them and for the employer itself so it's a very kind of like a big big topic i think many companies do this uh like more i think like like negligently more mm-hmm. kind of like just ticking the box because they need have, to do it we yeah. have, a, we have yeah. some kind of solution who cares if people <laughs> use this or not we <laughs> have it and we can say it's a benefit yeah. without actually addressing you know like all the underlying issues so and uh, obviously like with ours uh, like we still have a solution it's uh not gonna solve all the problems but uh the way we created this and the way we see you know like how this should be delivered uh we like i believe that would be able to help the employer to do kind of like the part of like you know like education so the only thing that they would have to address is mm-hmm. like is kind of like you know like the culture the culture part yeah and uh, i was uh i had an interview with uh, someone from deloitte and uh, so I didn't mention this in the beginning, but uh, kind of like our main USP is the fact that all our content is bespoke uh, at the individual level. Mm-hmm. So, and by bespoke, I mean that uh, instructors on the platform will create classes and webinars uh, specifically for your needs. So, let's say okay. I mentioned to you before kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want to do uh, kickboxing classes live, not pre recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Monday, Friday, 6 a.m just because you wake up early and you want it to be in Spanish just because okay. it's your language and you don't yeah. want to be like you don't want mm-hmm. to practice English you have enough of it in your life <laughs> and uh, instructors will create this content so when you go mm-hmm. to the platform you will see other classroom webinars but uh, the main idea that uh, you will have the content that was created specifically based on your needs and there is a nice. reason why uh, like uh, we want to do this this way because there is a research shows that's showing that uh, combination of bespoke content with live interaction mm-hmm. is uh, leading to higher engagement and better loyalty. Makes and, sense. Yeah. Uh, that's again all the services on the market right now struggling with uh, engagement and adoption. Mm-hmm. And I believe that us using this approach, obviously, like what if you other things that uh, we planning to use to again increase the adoption and. Uh, I'm confident we can do this. It's yeah. just like we're like now we just need to like run the pilot and actually prove that it is it is the case, not just uh, the words. So as we come to the end of the podcast, and again, lovely having you on the side, we do want to finish with one big question, and it'll be a revolving around what is how competitive is this space, especially in the mental health and well-being? How hard is it mm-hmm. for you to really get out there and compete with others, or is it something that's unknown to everybody? I mean, it's super competitive. Like it's like I. I mean, obviously, like, I'm not a specialist in other sectors, you know, like, I don't know what's going on, but uh, when it comes to wellness in general, uh, it's super competitive. And uh, specifically myself, realistically, I compete with everyone from individual wellness professionals, let's say, like, yoga instructors who are trying Mm -hmm. to go into corporates and uh, teach yoga classes. Uh, to I don't know like Headspace meditation app that also went into B two B market, to like different benefit providers where the wellness is kind of like part of uh, what they do. And then within wellness, there are so many services they do kind of like specifically on some narrow subjects like menopause or mm-hmm. again like like mental health, and that's why it's just so much. What we are trying to do is 
have everything under one umbrella kind of like in one place. So again, companies would not need to have multiple solutions. Just they one. They would be able to have the hub. Exactly. And yeah. with one, address at least majority of the issues, if not everything. So. Okay. Vasily, thank you very much for, for oh, being here. You. If people want to find you, how can they find you? So, so uh, please, please. <laughs> I yeah. think that's kind of like, you know, like that's uh, the best uh, thing to do. I stopped accepting connections from people that I don't know. So because I got like quite a few of them. So let me see if I pronounce your last name correctly. Uh, Vasily Alexenko. Alexenko, yeah. Alexenko, I mean, okay. kind of, I mean, like it's good enough for this. It's good. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I used to be called Vaseline. Va Vaseline is a bit, it's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> uh, yeah. All the people know my full name and they call me back Alex because they think Alexenko is my actually my first name rather yeah. than my son. So that's why. Again, I've been in this country for long enough just to... Okay. Just <laughs> I'm, I'm happy I didn't call you Vaseline, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's good. Um, so, Vasily, they can find you on LinkedIn. They can also find uh, fugin.com. So yes, that's yep, F... Yep, yep. Uh, let me see. O-O-G-I-N.com. Perfect. Yeah. And then the events, if they want to find the events in so, London. Uh, uh, events are either on Eventbrite mm -hmm. or, again, on uh, LinkedIn, either on my page or the London Startup Seed. That's pretty much... That's the name of yeah, the event. that's, that's okay. the name. And then they will see we're on these events uh, every single month. The next one will be 6th of June. And so I don't know when there's going to be the next one after that. But uh, yep. yeah, so I feel like please uh, join. Nice. Sounds good. Thank you again. Oh, thank, you thank, you thank you very much. much. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> cool.